Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hello and welcome to this episode of Wolves Fancast. David Evans here. Joining me, as always, on the Zoom line today, I've got Matt. Evening, Matt. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? We're all good. We're all good. Jordan is there as well, but he's on mute. Is he on mute? Yeah. How are you, how are you Dave? How are he's you? He's back. He's back. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, the art, you know, it's, the, it's the art of the professional now to mute when you're not talking, to <laughs> stop interference. I'm trying to save you an edit, mate. Look at that! He's, he's so many Zoom calls now. He's got it like a, a ninja. Just get on that mute straight away. Uh, right, we thought because there's been so much going on over the last few days with Wolves. Uh, the last podcast we did was post Chelsea with Matt hosting, um, and you can check out that podcast in our archives in the previous episode where there's a full Olympiacos preview as well. Uh, but since then, and also we were going to do a, um, an episode post Olympiacos on Thursday. We thought there's been a bit of time, and because there's been so much going on, we thought we'd do a bit of a bonus episode to go through all those bits that has been going on. Um, I kind of feel like gents looking at the agenda today it's very much an emotional roller coaster uppers and downs so i want people to come on this journey with us to go really <laughs> high then come flat back down to earth about things going on so let's start on a positive gents or depends if you see it as a positive uh, wolves released their new kit uh, this week a uh, bit of a mixed reaction of course as all new kits get uh, it's got the return of the black sleeves it's got a, almost like a triangle arrow kind of pattern in the middle and the socks, strangely, have got almost different versions of gold in them. Uh, Matt, I'll come to you first. What, what's your, I don't know, since it's had a few days now that it's been out, what's your reaction to the kit now? Are you a fan or nay? Uh, I'm not overly enamoured by it. It's not, it's not a disgrace by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and it's that, it's that cliche of it'll look better on the players and it will look great when we tonk somebody 4-0. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So, uh, if that ever happens. But, um I think it's probably the weakest of the Nuno era shirts. Mm. I really, really like the eighteen nineteen, like lighter coloured uh, W eighty eight shirt. But you know what? It's certainly not that offensive. I'm really looking forward to seeing what the away and if there's a third shirt, what what they will be like because my bank balance didn't appreciate last season's <laughs> shirts at all. And I, I'm hoping for not a repeat performance. I like the idea that you might be offended by a shirt. Exactly. I hate this. I, I, I can't stand this. 
Dear Wolverhampton Wanderers, I'd like to complain about your recent... <laughs> exactly. uh, Jordan, what's your kind of now days have gone on? What's your reaction to the shirt? Do you like it? Are you a fan of it? Or are you thinking, I ain't buying that? I think it's okay. Like, I think it, it has grown on me a little bit. I think it, it's one of those, isn't it? You, like, you know, you, you see, the, the, see it as a still and you're like, I was a bit, mm, I ain't sure. But then obviously, you know, some of the players are modelling in it as well. And don't get me wrong, you know, obviously the players are in shape, obviously fits them quite well. And you think, you know what, it looks good on them. But you know, like if someone else puts it on or, you know, after Southbank put it on, it ain't going to look as nice on them as it does on Pedro Neto. Yeah. So, and I'm quite comfortable in saying that, that I'm quite happy to say, yeah, Pedro Neto looks good in a Wolves top. So yeah. there you go. That's a good point, actually, because I remember when I saw the players started to do their pictures and I thought, oh, Jimenez, hang on a second. I thought, nah, that's not a guarantee. Um, <laughs> but when you saw people doing that, I thought, actually, it does look fine. But I remember um, the shirt we had when we got relegated from the Premier League, the kind of one where we had that very thin black stripe curved in the middle, I think. Oh, yeah. That was a tight-fitting shirt. I remember buying <laughs> it thinking, nope, not wearing this again, unless I lose some weight. <laughs> I'm not wearing this again. It reminds um, him that all the wrong areas are yeah, you know, accentuating any curvature that you might have on your own stomach. I mean, if it's like what Arsenal seem to have for their shirts every season, <laughs> where it's the tightest fitting shirt in the world, yeah. then it's not going to be good yeah. for everyone. I swear, I swear, yeah, I swear, Arsenal's are like spray painted on, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> it's like those people who are like body art. Yeah, yeah. Down the street, yeah. you don't realise they've got it. Oh, so new shirt. Out. I was going to ask you, Matt. You just mentioned about the away shirt. We haven't seen it yet. What? kind of colour away shirt would people like because we've had we kind of go through a cycle don't we we've, we've obviously got black this year we had white last season what was it um, was it black again a couple of years ago in the promotion season we had like a like a almost teal recently mm. um, but we haven't had a we, yeah because yeah, it was black wasn't it for I just, I'm just remembering when Bennett scores a header against Bristol City yeah it was a black was, one that was the black with the gold yes. like the Peru wasn't it like, I converted proof. That's so a gold stripe on it. Are we due a teal one then, like a bluey one, or is there a? Because I know Stu is still put has got the mast up, for, mast up for a pink um, away kit. Bring it on. Yeah. Yeah. But what would, is any kind of particular colour that people would like to see kind of go back to? I um, I mean I think the the black away kit last year, well this current season, if you ever want to, want to call it, I think was really really nice. Um, it was just, well, I don't know. I wear black all the time because I'm a grebo. So. Keep it in the wardrobe. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's fine. Like, it just makes life that much easier for me. But um, I, I, th- I think some of our white away kits haven't uh, looked that great. And I think we'll probably end up with a white one. I say that purely because I'll play five aside in it. I'll scuff. I'll get in a challenge where I'll scuff at the side of the wall. It'll get scuffed and I'll never get it clean. And then it's £50 down the swanner. Jordan, how about you, Jordan? Would you like to see maybe like a two-tone one? What you've seen Man City do that in the past, where it kind of a colour that blends into another. I think I think we do like a a rascal shirt is what I'd say. Right, I'm I'm all for it as well. So yeah, what I'm I'm after some rascal stuff. Like um, recently, and I got it because I'm a bit of a I get loads of football tops and stuff. I've got the South Korea home kit home shirt. And it's zebra. Okay, yeah. So I'm hoping, I think we could go proper rogue, I do. I, I want something out there, a bit, you know, Zoolander. 
Yeah. <laughs> We're not in Europe, so we can get away with it a bit more. But, yeah, but... Uh, well, yeah, you know what? Let's let's not be though, because I think the home shirt—it's a bit uninspiring. Is the word? It's pretty safe. Let's let's be a bit outlandish and try and do something different. That's why I'd say that, anyway. A friend of mine sent me a link to uh, there's a there's a team in Scotland. Uh, well, I think it's Loch Ness FC, which must be the the team for that area, of course. But their shirt has got all the way through it, like a Loch Ness monster, like bobbing up and down throughout the shirt. And I thought, maybe that's what you're talking about, Jordan. That kind of rascal. Yeah, yeah. I just think something a bit out there. You know, it's 2020, yeah. innit? Let's, let's live a little. So it's going to be out there, but not too much that Matt doesn't get offended by it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's like a, there's like a sphere. <laughs> yeah. There's like a sphere, and it's got to be yeah. within that minority thing yeah. to be no, out I, there. I, I appreciate there's a bell curve, but, you know, let's, let's just, you know, teeter on the edges a little bit. Let's see what happens. Okay, so from the kit to uh, a result that mattered a lot for Wolves that Wolves didn't even play in at the weekend, that was the FA Cup. Uh, Arsenal won the FA Cup 2-1 against Chelsea. That did mean, though, unfortunately, Wolves won't be playing Europa League football next season because Arsenal will take that Europa spot and Spurs will now have to qualify. So after Mourinho was hooking his staff, <laughs> good luck with that, you've got to start your season early. Um, it, Wolves could still be in Europe next season, but they would have to do something a bit unlikely, and that is win the Europa League, and they would get Champions League football. I think we're going to talk a lot more about this in the end of the season pod to sum up the season. But Jez, kind of after that game yesterday, obviously we were all disappointed that Chelsea couldn't deliver the goods. But Jordan, do you think that result kind of summed up how the games went for Wolves near the end of the season? That nothing was really going Wolves' way, and you kind of got the feeling that that was going to be the case as well. Yeah, I think so. And um, after the Chelsea game, um, which Matt hosted, I actually said I had a feeling Arsenal were going to win the game. Um, and, you know, Chelsea took an early lead. And then there's obviously the penalty. Aspilicueta pulls up the captain. And then Pulisic pulls up straight away in the second mm. half. He was arguably the best player on the pitch. And, you know, and it just all just doesn't align. You just feel it's just not going to go. It's not going to be your day. And um, it wasn't. And I think... For the larger part of it, though, I do think that we've only got ourselves to blame in being that we're in such a great position after 32 games. Um, I put it in the group yesterday, you know, the snapshot. Tottenham caught us and there were seven points behind us with six games to go. And it, when you put, and again, seventh, you know, perspective is seventh's a fantastic season for Wolves again. But just from where we were, that's where my frustrations and disappointment have been over the last few weeks. But ultimately, you've, you know, we, we were in a great position and it was all in our hands and you don't want to be ever be in a position where you're relying on other results to go your way and um, unfortunately we got the rub of the green well sorry fortunately we got the rub of the green last year the Man City beat Watford and unfortunately it didn't go our way this year so the biggest thing for me is we sort of let ourselves down and good luck to Arsenal next season if, if you ask I mean, it was one of those, when you see that table from 32 games, it is like horrifying knowing that we're in this position. Matt, where, where, how did you feel now a couple of days afterwards? Are you kind of, ha- not happy, but settled now? There's no, at least, you know, more likely guaranteed European football next season? You know, like once the dust has settled on it, I think it's, it's a cliche, you know, the table doesn't lie and all that kind of thing. And, you know, we were the best of the rest and that kind of metaphor but I think it's exactly where we were when there were, there were times in the season where we weren't spectacular 
um, times where we didn't do enough against the top, top teams week in, week out. Um, and it's about where we deserve to be. And I'm not, yeah, it was frustrating that we, that we didn't secure that position from the great advantage that we had prior to the restart. But at the end of the day, I think it probably, I think we overachieved so much last season that we had these pipe dreams of, of maybe pushing on for like Champions mm. League football, which in reality is just a step too far. And, and it's not, there's nothing to be ashamed of in that. You know, the worry that people have now is, a, is of a dismantling and that Foson's heart isn't going to be in it or anything like that, which is understandable. I can, I can see why people think that, but this is, this, what people need to remember, this is only a few years into a lot, much longer project. Mm. Um, you know, I don't think anybody in Foson is under the impression that we have to make Champions League football this season or we'll throw up our hands, we'll sell it off and then we'll, we'll try for another, you know, another avenue of opportunity. Yeah, yeah, we're not playing Europa League football next season. However, look at what we can do now with us. Nuno can stick to a small-ish squad. We can improve in areas that we need to. We haven't got a mass amount of games where we aren't able to keep up um, with multiple campaigns. It, you know, let's, let's look at the positive on it. We can, we can push on this all next season now and, and really storm that league while others like Arsenal, like Spurs, like United have the burden of mm. two campaigns to, to play in. I think there's this argument as well that is a player, you know, I'm looking at some of the top players in our side, people are worried about this dismantling, is a top player in our side going to go to a team that is going for Europa League football next season? They're likely to actually want to move for Champions League football. And if you look at that top four who are in it, I mean, Wolves could be in it next season, but you know, I think it still feels like a bit of a pipe dream now. But if, yeah. if, if, if it is a top four team, apart from what I would say the three best players in our team or most saleable in terms of Jimenez, Troy and uh, Neves, out of the rest of the squad, who's getting into a top four side? And I this can't, I, I mean, I can stretch it at a couple of players, but are top four signs going to be coming in for those players? I, I just can't see a player jumping ship because of Europa League. The players, that I, think, League. The players that I think we'd have, we might lose players we would have lost if we qualified anyway, as far as I'm concerned. Mm. Um, wouldn't matter if we were in Europa League or not. I think if Traore is going to go for a massive big money move, I don't think us being in the Europa League would change that. Mm. If we were in the Champions League, then absolutely. I've always thought that we, we currently match Neves's career trajectory. Yep. I think we're in the same kind of potential that he is and that's the worry if we didn't qualify again next season then yes but I think you're right apart from the the, the top top players I'm not too worried and Jordan I don't know how you feel bud but even if we did sell a Traore or, or a Jimenez Frozen aren't going to sell it for the for the wrong price and then we've got we've got the agent that we need to get somebody else in yeah I think there's I think there's quite, you know, there's a real strong argument that during, you know, Fosen's time, especially since Nuno's been there, we haven't got many transfers wrong. And yeah, I mean, I think the recruitment has been pretty poor over the last 12 months. If you look at, you know, Catrone, Vallejo, we looked a little weak in terms of squad depth 
coming the end of the season, which is why I think ultimately we've not come in that top six. Cause I think we didn't have enough options, if I'm being honest with you. Yep. Um, I think that with someone like Jimenez, it's almost shit or bust, I think, in terms of what I mean by that is, is like, you know, he's 29 years old and you can't begrudge him going for a big move, if you ask me. And I think if, you know, if someone offers 80 million euros or pounds, whatever you want to equate it to, then you've got to sell him for me because ultimately Foe's an investment company and that's, uh, you know, well, the bought, we bought him for 32, didn't we? So that's uh, mm. a massive, massive, massive profit on there. I think with Jimenez, it's a very simple thing for me is that we either sell him if we get the right amount of money for him or we need to give him the money that he wants because ultimately he's after one last big contract to get him through to, you know, and I know that we're quite, like, you know, quite staunch on not trying to break, I suppose, that 100 grand a week barrier. I think that's the limit that players are on at the moment at Wolves. And I think to keep Jimenez at Molyneux, you're going to have to break that and probably go, right, we'll give you another three-year deal, for example, but we'll give you, I don't know, 150. I don't know what that looks like. And I think that we're in that, we're in that sort of position now where we've got top talent and to keep top talent happy, if you're not in the big competition, you've got to mm. pay them. You've got to pay them the big money, haven't you? And so, I think this is a... Go on, George, carry on. Sorry, no, I was going to say, and that, that's where that's where that's our next step, I think, as a club, really. It's if we are serious and everything Fosen have said and how they've acted, I think we are serious, then we're going to have to break that bank. And, it, it, you know, it's scary to think that even players are 100 grand a week down Molyneux because we've seen some shit down there for the 20 years or so. But also, that's the time we're in. And to keep these players happy and around, we've got to play the top dollar, in my opinion. I think it's a nice segue then to back onto Jimenez, uh, because obviously over the last week, uh, he's been linked with moves to uh, both Man United and Juventus. Stories in Europe either suggesting the deal's done with Man United or the deal's done with Juventus or it's not done. Or there's even another story saying that Jimenez is actually happy in Wolverhampton. So, James, do we think we're now seeing not only the start of the summer of Jimenez, but this departure of Raul is just this is the beginning of the end now of his career at Wolves it's highly likely that these stories have got something to them and come next season he's either going to be the Man U shirt a Juve shirt or a other team I think this is going to happen you don't have a season like Jimenez has had without this conversation occurring mm. um, and I I would like to think you know, poetically, that he's really happy where he is, and he and he wouldn't want to move. And the the unit and the squad is is so good, and the morale so good that he wouldn't want to move. But we have to be realistic. I mean, if Juventus come knocking at the door, for me, especially, um, you know, I really 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 like Italian football. If if Juventus come knocking, you go. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's, it, that being said, though, I have this I have this thought in my head that. You know, we give so much attention to player power um, that Fosun aren't just going to say, well, no, you, you, you will honour a contract, you'll play mm. for us. I have that mentality in a way that I think that, that to ourselves, Fosun have an attractive enough prospect going forward that we will only sell if it suits the club. If it doesn't suit the club, he'll stay. And no player, as much as a player can want to force a move, no player can not play if they want that big money move. So if he wants to go the following season, he's going to still need to have a barnstormer or United or Juventus won't come in for him anyway. 
So I think Foster need to need to be, you know, realistic here. If we get the right offer, 75, 80 mil, absolutely sell. And then mm. nobody would begrudge him going either. Um, but this is, you know, we need to remember this is Foster's decision first before it's Jimenez's. And I guess one side we haven't seen, Jordan, as well, in this blossoming relationship with Mendes is we haven't seen the other side. We know that Mendes kind of cycles players through different clubs and we've benefited greatly and I'm sure we will going forward. But we've not seen the other side yet that surely, you know, Mendes has brought in some of these players who either were young and trying to get kind of their name in the world or weren't getting as much game time like uh, Jimenez but had the talent that's given them a platform surely on the side eventually we're going to see the other side of this wheel turning that players are going to be moved on through the influence of Mendes do you think that we're going to see Jimenez again in the wall shirt or do you think there might be a chance like Matt says with Fosen's influence that he's going to stay around my what I think is I think you know answer your question sure I I think we probably will. Well, I mean, I think the, after this Europa League campaign, I think that's the last we'll see of him. Um, I can't, for the life of me, see him... Basically, I think I can't see him being sold to a Premier League team because you're strengthening your rivals then. And if you've, if the price is £80 million for Juve, then it's £100 million for Man United for me. Because mm-hmm. you've almost got to be like, you know, we don't want to strengthen these teams. These are the teams that we're trying to compete with. And if you give him give them a 20-goal-a-season striker, well, then that gap's just going to get wider. You know, it's going to make the task even harder. So, in the answer to your question around Mendes, I mean, he's done us a load of favours, hasn't he? Let's be honest, like, Neves and Jota and Bolly should never have been playing championship football. And we probably owe him a favour or two. Um, and, yeah, like you say, there's going to be a bit of scratch, you know, I've scratched your back now, you've scratched mine. And I can see, I can see him going to Juventus and... He goes, he, he goes with, I think, every Wolves fan's blessing and I hope he does really well. My, my only reservation with Raul, um, and I've said it before as well, is that our system suits him down to a T. Like, we play to Raul's strengths. And when, Benfica, he never really, you know, he never really hit fire. I mean, or any form or any consistency of games and sort of, it's only been at Wolves where he'd been a regular starter, and that was at 27, 28 years of old age. I think the danger is, and again, not that it heal mine, because he's a big club and he's got a prospect to go and prove himself at a you know, massive, massive club. In my opinion, though, I think there's more to then him just going... I don't think he can just go and play for a big team. Like I think that Juve or Man United or whoever it is would have to ultimately play to his strengths. And that to be a top top player in these top top teams you've got to be adaptable mm-hmm. and I think he can do it I do think he can do it but if I was Juventus for example wanting to spend £80 million on a player who's had a purple patch for 18 months two, se- two years of football you'd want a bit more for me to be spending that sort of money but ultimately Wolves aren't going to sell him for any less than what we're saying here £80 million and if it's anything less it's criminal like we shouldn't be doing it <laughs> There's also a danger for Wolves as well. If they were to sell someone like him and Man United, um, and you've got obviously younger players like Troy Neves, who Wolves have really, you know, especially under Nuno, have, have developed, that they don't become a Southampton. They don't just bring in these young players, develop them, and think, right, we can make a tidy profit from this going forward. And it just becomes more like a business churn than a team developing. Um, yeah, that's my only kind of other point on that, is I, th- I wouldn't be surprised if he goes this summer now. 
but I think like you've both said, I think cough up really. Wolves have developed that player and given them the platform enough to uh, to see that money come in. I mean, coming in then, the other story that's been linked to that um, Jimenez story this week is that Wolves perhaps have got a replace, replacement already lined up in Paulinho from Braga. Uh, a striker with 21 goals in all competitions so far this season. 17 in 29 in the league and four in Europa League so far. Uh, he was only two goals away from clinching the golden boot in uh, Liga Nuss. Um, and it's a £30 million reported fee. Look, I, you know, honestly, I never heard of him. Before I hadn't really paid that much attention when we must have played them in the in the group stage. I don't know if he scored against us, but given on those stats, I don't know if you any you, you gents know anything about him. Would you be happy with that as a as a replacement? Apart from uh, his card on Ultimate Team at the start of this cycle of FIFA, when I was trying to put a Portuguese side together, I don't know anything about the guy to be honest. Um, <laughs> But I mean, looking at some, you know, as as the only way that we can really looking at kind of highlight footage and stuff like that, he's a player that adds something um, from a passing point of view as well as a scoring point of view. He's got a really nice pass on him and really composed. Um, and this is the kind of thing we need to, if, if we are going to sell and we're going to have 80 mil um, or 50 mil after this, you know, 50 mil net, um, we need to be looking at players that can add more than just goals if we're going to be losing somebody that's such a high goal scorer that in Jimenez and I think he's a player that from what I've seen he's able to pick a pass and set up for others quite well and that's something that's quite exciting actually but if I'm if I'm focused now if I'm ambitious it's so easy to say <laughs> theoretically spending millions and millions of pounds don't do we not need a backup striker to Jimenez mm. not a replacement do we not need someone who we can play two up front with that's not Jota when we just feel like it? Um, you know, actually, to, to fulfil our ambition, do we need to bring in him in anyway, regardless of if Jimenez stays or not? I mean, that was the big issue, wasn't it, in January, was that who we were, and you could have had that the January before, when we were trying to get Abraham, who was going to come in that was going to be on the bench to Jimenez and wasn't going to start? And it's such a careful thing now with... Like you say, Matt, yeah, get rid of Jimenez. You're probably going to bring two strikers in, but mm-hmm. who's your B striker ultimately? Potentially, if you're going to keep that three up top formation going forward, or you're now going to revert to two up top now and maybe mix it up maybe two or three with Jota. But then you now, there is sustained, and this is where perhaps the dismantling um, fear comes in that you're disrupting any kind of harmony up front by bringing two more in it. It's a weird one. Jordan, I, what, I don't know if you know anything about this Paulinho, but what, you know, what do you think that might sound like a, a good enough addition? Um, I don't know anything about him, to be honest with you. I'm not going to pretend that I do. Um, We're like, the show that, that knows all the facts. This is why no, people but, tune in. Yeah, all for the good content. No, yeah. but in all seriousness, um, I can't remember him doing anything in the two games. Like, out of the group, I can't, can you remember the... Um, the Bratislava striker, that sporer, oh, he scored a couple. He scored yeah. in the home leg. He looked really good, and he's gone to Lisbon. And he was someone at the time when I watched him. I thought he could do a job as that B striker inverted commas and come in and probably do a, a job for us. And you bang on what you're saying there with the, the Southampton thing, and ultimately it's sort of what Liverpool did as well when they sold. Um, oh, who was it? When it was it Suarez? Was it when the yeah when they sold Suarez and. Um, Ultimately, you buy bought like Ricky Lambert in and Balotelli. Mm. Like they brought like quantity, and that's the danger. Is like if we're selling quality players, we need to be 
bringing in that level of quality back in, or even ultimately better if we can. Mm. Um, that is the danger, really. Um, well, that's what Spurs did, didn't they, with um, Bale? They just re- tried to replace him with four or five players, didn't they? Yeah, it never works. It just doesn't work. And you're filling out a squad, and ultimately, he's not making you a better team. And by all means, his stats look good, this guy. Um, I haven't heard a lot about him. But at the same time, we haven't heard a lot about a lot of the players we bought over the last couple of years. And like I said earlier, other than a couple, they've got them right on the whole. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. you've got to back that you know, they're not just buying. So they're not like thinking, shit, Jimenez is going, let's go, let's go and buy a Portuguese player quick. It's not like. It's, uh, I think they will uh, you know, be well scouted and they'll be doing the homework on it. I do think there are, are a few cheaper options as well. Like, if, you know, ultimately, it's not my money. I, I'd happily keep him in his and pay him whatever he wants to stay. Um, and, that, you know, then you don't need this problem. But I think, you know, the, if you do need like that backup or B striker, then, yeah, 30, you know, 30 million euro in today's market is not a lot of money. But... I'd also be quite in, quite willing to look a bit closer to home as well and try and... So I think there's a, there's a few players that could come in and do a job for us, I think. I like the idea that, you know, they have these meetings and Mendes walks in and goes, right, I've got these players and they're all Portuguese. Right, if you've got anyone that's not Portuguese, I've got these players. <laughs> so they must have like a... Um, a requirement they've got to be Portuguese. I mean, yeah, it, go, if we, it goes on football manager and just puts the filter on nationality, Portuguese, yeah. locked in. <laughs> it's like he gets offered, we get offered these like world-class players. Are they Portuguese? No, well, not interested. Get out of here. I mean, if we don't win Portugal, the World Cup in 2022 or 2026, based purely on Wolverhampton, then I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I reckon Wolverhampton might be partnered with Lisbon then, as a <laughs> yeah, twin, twinned, <laughs> twin, yeah, twin with Lisbon. Um, yeah, look, it's going to be. We're going to do obviously uh, a part of the end of the season talking about the summer, but it's going to be an interesting summer. It's very weird because of how the football windows seasons oddly, you know, finish at a later point. I keep forgetting that traditionally we're probably in pre-season mode now. We're playing yeah. pre-season friendlies, and now we've just started a. We're literally a week into a summer transfer window that will end in early October, I, I think, if my memory serves me right. That is just just very weird. The answer's right. out there. The answer's out there already to sign the handsomest man in, in world football and sign Olivier Giroud, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. Get him in. Get I him mean, in. none of us would cope. <laughs> just none of us would cope if we got someone of Giroud's calibre. And I'm, I'm talking, you know, the face, not footballing wise. <laughs> Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure the Wolves' calend- club calendars will be going out of stock when they've got Jury <laughs> well, as well. Well, that, there you go. There's there's your yeah, your equity. That's how we pay for it. So yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not shirt sales. Yeah. It's not shirt sales. It's calendar sales, isn't it? Yeah. They just bring but, but out the Jury calendar. <laughs> He's just topless doing then, remedial jobs, just getting the guttering <laughs> out. But yeah. top off. Yeah. But I think if we do get Jury, then I think you need to bring it back down to earth, and you sort of got to build it up. So I reckon if we brought someone in like Troy Deeney and put him in at January and it's all just built up through the year and Giroud was, you know, your December man with like a little Santa hat on. I don't know. We're, all, we're just spitballing here, aren't we? We're spitballing. I think what other remedial jobs could he do? You know, trying to extend his Wi-Fi. But, oh no, his top's off. He's on his, on his phone that, try, on a, on uh, trying to sort get a cheaper car insurance uh, quote, but oh no, yeah. his top's off. <laughs> the lint drawer's full in the washing machine again. Oh yeah. no. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. I mean, I want other people's suggestions of Wolves players and remedial <laughs> jobs they could do on calendars. 
Um, <laughs> and if Wolves don't print that next season and we don't get a, a, a half a percent royalty, I'll be, I'll be disappointed. <laughs> Hey, it's David here. Now, I know you. You love a bloody good website, don't you? Look, come on, you do. You like a good website. If you're on your phone, you're on your computer thinking, I want to see a bloody good website. I'm going to go find one right now. If you want a bloody good website and you want one for yourself, your business, why don't you go check out our sponsors, pixelyetimedia.com. They don't just do websites, of course. They do loads of different things for your marketing needs, such as design work and brochures. And they do our website as well, wallsfancast.com. It's a really good design. We're really pleased with the work over at the guys at pixelyetimedia.com. So, again, you're looking at some websites, you're thinking, oh, I really want a website that looks that good just for me and my business. Why don't you go check them out right now at pixelyetimedia.com. Uh, I just want to quickly, before we get on to a bit more, I wanted to quickly mention this story that came out last week, which I never heard of this. Um, This was a story about a man called Frederick Pentland. Now, not a common name that we all know, but apparently he's one of Athletic Bilbo's most successful managers, and he's from Wolverhampton. So, just to give you a bit of background on this. Um, he was uh, Bill Bowers manager between 1922 to 25 and 29 to 33. He won two league titles, five cups, and five regional championships. He always wore a bowler hat, which is the one fact I love the best. Um, and the players would smash it when they won a trophy, which I like that idea. I think we should bring that here. Um, he once won uh, La Liga undefeated and won a domestic uh, double in the same season. Right. I do have to say, though, that he got 30 out of 36 points. So I, I mean, it's a rather minor La Liga at the time. Um, he was known to revolutionise their, st- revolutionise their style of play as well by encouraging them to, uh, to pass and move more. I mean, I can't, I, I, I'm, when I saw this this week, I was like, this man is from Wolverhampton. He's probably a very, one of the most successful <laughs> managers in Spanish football history, and we've never heard of it before. It's strange. I'd like to know the history of how he how he got involved in the club in the first place, because especially the time um, that this is all going on, travel wasn't ex- exactly as easily as accessible mm-hmm. as it is today. How how he even got to that part of the world in the first place and, and got off offered that opportunity. Um, maybe we can reach out to our contacts on the continent and see if we can find that out because. Yeah. It's a great story. I mean, I was looking to do a bit of research on on, on Wikipedia, the, the you know the, the trusty store source of all knowledge, um, and it seemed that he was a player at Blackburn and and uh, Blackpool at one point before he was a manager. But there was this bit where his first managerial job was the uh, manager of Germany of the of the nineteen fourteen Olympics, but because after the Olympics war broke out, he basically oh, wow. was made a prisoner in Germany. Oh wow! <laughs> I just wonder what his record was, and did they state that based on his record with Germany? <laughs> or, so you know what? When you think about the times, that's really that would never. You, that's how's that ever happened? How's an Englishman mm. led a Germany team in 1914? <laughs> that that's weird. That is weird. It must have been a hell of a bloke. You imagine if an English manager had done that with Germany now, but he won like Germany, the World Cup, and everything. He yeah. was the most hated Englishman. 
Mm, of all time. Um, yeah, so if anybody knows a bit more about that, I would love to know more. I just thought he must be one of, you know, the most decorated people from Wolverhampton that we don't know about. Yeah. I mean, yeah. One of our more, more famous sons. Yeah, we want to, you know, that once we finally get that kind of hall of walk of fame in Wolverhampton down the high street <laughs> with the stars. <laughs> I want to see Mr. Pentland up there with the, uh, the, the ring road tramp. Um, anyway, let's talk a bit about um, Olympiacos. As I say, if you want to get a bit more of a fuller um, preview of that game on Thursday, listen to our previous uh, podcast. Matt and the gang did a fantastic job previewing that game. But just because there's been a couple of little updates since then, I thought I just wanted to touch base if, whether your opinions have changed since that podcast. Um, it's been revealed that their uh, main goalkeeper, Jose Saha, is now out of that game. Uh, they've also obviously got Sabido out, um, their centre-back, who got sent off in the in the 1-0 draw against us. A um, bit close to the tie now, gents. Only about four days since that game at Molyneux. Um, how do we feel about that game now? Do we, have, we, have you changed your opinion since that last podcast? Or does it still feel the same to what you, your thoughts and feelings were or what you predicted? Um, for me, I think it's just a tough game, regardless. Like They're, they're, they're no mugs. And I think that, you know, they give Tottenham a hell of a ride in the Champions League group. They beat Arsenal over two legs. And I think they were, from memory, I mean, that game now was a bit, what, February, was it? The first leg? It was ages ago. Like, from yeah. memory, they were, I think they were the better team as well. Like, definitely for large parts of the first half of the game. And, you know, you know they've gone for the Greek season undefeated. I think it's just going to be a tough game. Um, I, th- I do think, though, if we get past them, I fancy us to get into the semi-final. Oh, I think we'll beat Roma or Seville, if I'm honest with you, just because of the versions of what they are now, which I said last, you know, on the, the Chelsea pod. Um, so I think if we get past the Olympiacos, I can see us in the semi-final, and that is shit your pants time in it, really, because that should never be happening. But, you know, that's how I feel. <laughs> Matt, how about you? Have you... Still feeling the same from you the podcast you did um, last Sunday, or is there your mindset changed at all? I think based on the roll of the dice that we've had in the last few weeks, not only our own games but the game with Arsenal and Chelsea, I feel I, I really feel like we we should go out of the traps all gung ho. Now I know you'd argue, well we've got the away goal, let's just make sure we don't concede and then job's done. However. In recent memory, what's one of the most overriding criticisms that we've got of Nuno and his tactics that we can't see a game out or we lose concentration or, or we can't defensively stay in a game for 95 minutes without added time. Um, and I just feel like the tension will be exactly the same for this game if we get to, if we get to 75, 80 minutes. Um, we're not winning. We're, we're drawing nil-nil. He's taken off a striker in... in in place of putting Dendonka on or say so wherever it is that we mm. bring on as a more defensive sub and then we concede and then we go into extra time and we know what's going to happen yeah. um, I just feel like we need to come out of the trap straight away um, get a goal get a second goal whatever we need to do I'm I'm oddly George I agree with you completely This I think this could be a tougher game than, than and, and, I, and I hope purely for selfish reasons it's Roma we play because I've, yeah, I've, yeah. I've got an affinity with them anyway um, it's the only non-Wolves team I'll buy a shirt for not every season but um, like regularly 
Um, I just feel that it's going to be so nervous and I really hope we don't have the ghosts of some of our more important games come back to bite us on the arse when it comes to shutting up shop but not being able mm. to do it successfully. And given how, if we were to progress, it's a bit of a mini-tournament in Germany mm-hmm. um, in the week after, it's one of those things of it doesn't matter. that it, it, It's a neutral venue, any result can happen. Um, whereas obviously now the pressure's on on Wolves at home really. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it would be, yeah, I, I hadn't really felt nervous about the game, and now I'm really nervous. <laughs> You've got all those thoughts in me. So, um, yeah, it will be an interesting one. Um, obviously, our podcast after that is a return of um, Woodring to Cologne. Now we're going to have to call it, not Gdansk, uh, because of obviously what's been going on with coronavirus. So we'll be back with those Euro shows um, after the Olympios game on Thursday. James, it's the final part of the podcast now. We're going to do Twitter Corner. Um, some people say it's the best part of the podcast some people say it's the bit they turn off Um, right what we're going to do is your questions on Twitter you can tweet us at WWFC Fancast if you haven't got Twitter uh, you can email us your question in advance podcast at wallsfancast.com Jordan I'm going to start with you first on this one Alex Moore a friend of the podcast former Fancastian says this which current players do you reckon would be more likely to split or steal on the game show Golden Balls now, this is the type of question that we need on this show. This, you don't get this at any other podcast. These this is what we get paid for, need. isn't it, Dave? This yeah. is what we get paid for. I mean, paid's, paid's a, <laughs> a choice word, but yeah. <laughs> but what do you think on Alex? Um, Golden Balls then, current players, who's splitting and who's staying at the end? Um, Ryan Bennett split. Right. He'd, he'd shake your hand and look at you. And, you know, like, he'd look at you and go, look, I'm going to split with you and I think he would I think he's an honourable man so yeah. he'd definitely split um, he'd be a bastard um, I don't know if I'd trust Chotter see I was going to say Chotter I think he's got that thing of yeah. he wouldn't he, he'd, I think he'd, he'd go steal. for it yeah I think he'd, he'd give you like puppy dog eyes and I think he'd steal um, I always revert back to these questions like with Joel Figueroa because I still don't get I want to know more about him, Dave. Like, you know, where's the goggles now and the face mask and the visor? And he'd be someone, you know, if I was going on Crystal Maze or something, he's someone I want to be on my team. So, yeah. but I think he'd split with you. I think he's a nice bloke. I don't know him. I just think he might be a good egg. So I'd, <laughs> I'd say he'd split as well. How about you, Matt? Who's splitting? Who's stealing? Splitting John Ruddy straight away. Our green fingered John Ruddy. Yes. He's 100% splitting. That is but a I'll gr- tell you which. I'll tell you who's stealing. Yeah. One Ruben Neves, and then when he takes your money, he puts his finger to the side of his head like when he scores, <laughs> and then oh. runs off with his ca- with your cash. Yeah. 100%. If people yeah. haven't seen that clip as well of John Ruddy on some gardening programme, it's so good, because I, what I love about that clip is at one minute, he's kind of talking about planting a tree, and the presenter's there going, <laughs> yeah, 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 that's what you do. And he, John Ruddy goes dead serious, like, no, you wouldn't do that. Away, doesn't <laughs> yeah, it? And you can see yeah. the presenters a bit like, oh, no, no. You wouldn't do that. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm going with Jota definitely on the, the steal. I think Bolly would steal as well. I think Yeah, I was going to say, I, 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 no, I, think, I think with Bolly, you'd give him the money, wouldn't you? Because if he said, look, I'm at, he goes, look, I'm having the 50 grand. Then he's having the 50 grand, isn't he? Let's be honest. You're like, you ain't going to argue with him, are you? Yeah, there I you think, go, but, sir. I also think Cody might have a bit of a dark streak. I think you do, you know, Jack yeah. the Lad kind of get you on side. And then yeah, he'd steal it. <clears throat> yeah, he could be a bit of a shit at Monopoly at Christmas, couldn't he, Cody? Actually, mm. I think, I think um, he'd be the banker as well. I think, yeah. he'd, I think he'd, I think he'd be real strict. Um, I think Matinho would split though. I think he's just 
Honest Joe. Yeah. You know, he's he's been around life. It's like, look, you know, we can both benefit from this. I mean, <laughs> Matrina feels like someone who would say, look, I'll let you, you have it first. Yeah. You know, you, let you, me throw you, let's, let me throw a player out to both. You know, what kay. does Max Kilman do? <sighs> he's Ooh. like the the you know the Russian assassin that you don't ever hear a word from. Yeah, he, he could be, yeah. Silence. He mm. could be anything, couldn't he? He won't say anything, and he will just reveal it at the end. He's just going to mm. determine through his eyes. Yeah, I, I think he, I, I think about. It, I reckon he'd split. I, th- I think he's a nice bloke. I think he would split. Just um, so, a couple of questions here from um, Paul Walton. Uh, first one: uh, Arsenal were scared of Chelsea with the high press yesterday, and uh, Wolves never do this. Should they? Think Wolves should. Press. I know it didn't work out for Chelsea in the end, but do you think Wolves don't press enough, or is that perhaps more that they are Wolves are more a counter-attacking team? We should have pressed more against Chelsea, I think. Yeah, but it's that intent thing that I've said. Like, like you could tell that Arsenal were. I mean, it's an FA Cup final as well. Don't get me wrong, and but just being that further ten yards up the pitch, like we let Chelsea play last week, and Arsenal. I know they conceded a very early goal, but for the majority of the game, Arsenal are the better team and Fulham deserve to win. So it shows that with a bit of intent and putting teams on the back foot, then I think it works on the whole. Hmm. I, um, think? I, I think the further up the pitch we are, the more likely we are to concede personally because we haven't got the quickest back line. Or at least our, our three centre-backs aren't the quickest. And we know that Cody hasn't, necessarily got the strength against a bigger man to hold mm. a man off like we saw against Giroud um, and I think we've got the passing range from Cody and Neves um, et al to be able to actually sit a little deeper but play these passes to our forward players who can be further up the pitch it just means that you leave a bit of a wider gap in between your forward players and your and your defensive players but no I don't for me the, the high press with our current defensive players I don't think works personally uh, other question from Paul is, do you think Eddie Howe is actually John Tracy from Thunderbird 5? Yeah. I don't remember John Tracy. I mean, I have not watched Thunderbird for years, but I'll take Paul's word for it on that one. Yeah, I've, I, I might look like I've had a rough paper round, but I don't remember um, Thunderbird <laughs> that well, to be honest. I remember as a kid being one of those many kids who famously tried to make the, the uh, Tracy Island from Blue Peter, which is showing my age Blue as well. Peter. And I got me and my dad got about halfway through and just gave up and I just just used that. Couldn't be bothered <laughs> to do the painting. I was like, it's built, the structure's there. You know, I've cut the lid out of the um, the butter tray. There we go. Just pretend it. it was on a black and white telly. Yeah. <laughs> um, talking of uh, Cody, uh, Tom Martin Five on Twitter says, has Nuno got the chops to replace Cody with a higher calibre player? Uh sort of rightfully gave him a little bit and again I don't I don't like giving Cody any stick I gave him a little bit of stick on Sunday because I still don't know how Drew beat him to the ball but anyway yeah. forget about that um, I think by replacing Cody you lose a lot in terms of that vocalness and you can tell on the pitch he's a leader and he very much dictates a lot of the play with his range of passing and his barking orders and I think you lose a lot more with just you know, if you take code out of the team, you lose a lot more than just the footballing side of it, the ability side of it. You're losing that presence on the pitch and that that leader, ultimately. Mm. So, you've got to, 
for me, you can't just replace Cody with, I don't know, I'm tr- a centre-half um, who might be available. Okay, let's just say Otamendi. Like, he couldn't go... Otamendi couldn't play in the centre of our back three and lead the back line as Cody does. But I think there's a space for Otamendi if he was like one either side of Cody that he could probably come in and do a good job for us. But that, that sort of, yeah. So to the answer, uh, Nuno probably has got the balls to do it, but I don't think he will. And I don't think he should. I, I think Wolves' think. play kind of relies a lot of the time on that spraying passes that Cody's developed over time. And I think in some ways you've got to now develop a different style of play to replace him. Matt, what do you think? Do you think Nuno has got those big balls to get rid of Cody? <laughs> uh, no, I don't, to be honest. And not in, not in, a, not in a slight way, in an offensive way, Cody is a player that he has evolved from a squirtle to a war turtle, if, if you want to use a Pokemon. Very nice. Uh, anecdote. Uh, thank you. Um, but he's not quite Blastoise quite yet, and I think he wants to spend a little bit more time with him to be able to kind of get into that level. And, George, you, you, you hit the nail on the head, mate. I think you lose more than you gain by replacing him with just a run-of-the-mill centre-back. Um, what we What we have with him is someone that can galvanise the team and has that passing um, range as well 90% of the time. His radar has been a, bit, a little bit off as a late, but I think you lose more than you gain if you just bring in a, a centre-back that you're not going to have as that like captain role. Back on to the questions that matter, of course, on this Twitter corner. Kev Robinson asks, which is the best Lord? Lord of the Rings, of the Flies, or of the Dance? What's the best Lord? Jord. Rings for me. Yeah? Yeah. It's the one that rules them all. <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. It's a nice little drop in there as well, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll, unpopularly, though, I prefer number two to number three. Yeah. And I don't know how that sits with you guys, especially Matt with his uh, podcast that he does as well. Little plug for you there, mate. Uh, yeah, I don't know what your thoughts are. I think two is better than three. Minor cage fighting crossover here, Matt. <laughs> what's the out of the three? Because yeah, what what's your thought? What's the? I mean, well, firstly, out of those three, <laughs> yeah. what's the best? What's the best really? Firstly, the rings, the dance, or the flies? Uh, well, the only the only interaction I've got with Lord of the Flies is that Simpsons episode when they all go on the island and kill. Who do they kill? Do they kill Skinner on the island? I don't think they kill um, anyone, do they? I don't know because they, like, they have like the bullies and you have the separate, the different like the different um, cliques and stuff that are on the mm. island. Um, it's got to be Lord of the Rings, really. I'm trying to think of another another Lord, apart from Lord Lucan. <laughs> Oddly enough, uh, no. Not, but in terms of, go on. No, I was going to say not Michael Flatley's wading legs. Surely no, that has got to win doesn't, it. Doesn't really do it for me, mate. Unfortunately, to answer George's question, um, uh, I don't know. I really like the first one, the first Lord of the Rings. To be honest, I'm not. Oddly enough, on the most recent. Um, Actually, this will be a spoiler alert because it hasn't come out yet. Uh, on the most recent <gasps> Cage Fighting It's an exclusive. Pod, it's an exclusive, it's exclusive. Um, <laughs> uh, Which is out tomorrow. Um, we talk about the best trilogies, and it didn't make my list at all. Nowhere Ooh. near it. So, I don't know. Have a think. But it's got to be Lord of the Rings, and the first one's the best, to answer your question. See, out of all like the sci-fi and that kind of geek world, the medieval stuff is stuff I can never get into. So mm. I've watched all I've watched all the Lord of the Rings films and the Hobbit films out of the fact that they were supposed to be these amazing films and obviously the Hobbit came around and I thought the cast was amazing. 
but I kind of watched them and I could personally for me I could never get that emotional catch being like oh wow yeah this is a great film it just it was just constant swords and dragons and so where then do you lie because people always compare Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings oh okay yeah there's a crossover there because I do actually like the Harry Potter franchise I love so, it. Class. Yeah. No, no, but that's, no that's where I go with Game of Thrones. Never watched Game of Thrones. And I've got no intention. Because I just can't be bothered with that world. And also, it's like uh, originally Breaking Bad before I did then get into it. So many people go on about how great it is. You get a bit like, just can't mm. be bothered now with that one. And there's the bombshell on that one. Um, I'm going to say Lord of the Flies just because I forgot about that Simpsons episode. Simpsons. <laughs> I'm going to link that to it. Um, Dean Marsden says... Um, who would be? Who would you have as your phone a friend on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire out of the current squad? So phone a friend, current squad. Who are you ringing up when you need an answer in thirty seconds? Oh my god! I mean, Matinho um, for me kind of seems like an obvious one again. I feel like he's got that life experience, and he just calm you down. You're a bit nervous. Mm, that's true. He'd give you the answer straight away. And then he'd give you some pep talk for the next twenty-five seconds. I reckon. I reckon yeah. you. I reckon. I reckon Jot has been in the West Acres for the quiz on a Sunday night, though. I yeah. reckon he knows his stuff as well. I reckon he's fiercely competitive in that in that arena. Um, it's just whether there's obviously the language barrier, or if there's a question on egg, you know, Portuguese egg custards, and I'm with the right man. So what about you? I'd go with. I think I'll go with Ruddy, you know. I think mm. he's meant to be quite clever, isn't he? Yeah, that's good shout. You see. So, yeah, I'd try Joel Figueroa first because I just want to make sure he's all right. But then I'd go with Ruddy. It depends on the question, I suppose. Depends on the question. Um, a couple of questions left, gents. Uh, <laughs> Fancast friend of the show, Toddy Witt, says, I would absolutely love an American at Wolves. Isn't there an American in the under-23s? Yeah, it's that. Oh, what's he? Yeah, I don't want to embarrass myself, but yeah, yeah. thanks, guys. I'm going to take it with first team for Todd. Uh, with the rumours of Wolves being interested in Weston McKinney, would he offer more than what we already have in Gibbs-White? I think I saw this link the other day. Is he playing Germany, I think? Is he playing for Schalke? Schalke, yeah, yeah, Schalke, yeah. Would we I don't um, know anything about Weston McKinney at all? Of course we all do. We watch we watch Bundesliga every yeah. week. Uh, <laughs> um, so would would we be averse to having an American in the team? Is that basically what I the think, question is? I, th- I think no. I think it's more would be interested in that particular player. Oh, and that, um, I don't know then because I don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, what you need to. I think what you, what if we look at it as do we need a do we need a midfielder in in our in our shopping list. Do we need a midfielder over, say, a centre-back, or do we yep. need another striker, or do we need another goalkeeper, or whatever? Um, so I would probably say he'd be kind of third-choice shopping list. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Uh, over, over, a, over competition for Jimenez, and over a, a centre-back for defensively. So in answer to Todd's question, no. no. Especially because I don't know anything about him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, final question, gents, uh, from... Good old Ash Dolan as well, friend of the show as well. He says, which source do you get from Harvester? Now, obviously, I'm going to read out the sources to you as well because he sent me a picture to help you out. Here we go. Here are the sources. Duke's Smoky Ketchup, Spiked Maple Glaze, Kicking Garlic, Bourbon Sauce, Peri Peri Sauce, or my favourite here, 
Triple H hot sauce. So a few there, just remind you there, Duke smoky ketchup, spiked maple glaze, kicking garlic, bourbon sauce, peri-peri sauce, or Triple H hot sauce. Matt, what are you going for, Harvester there? Um, now, I want to make something perfectly clear. As long as it's alcohol and not chocolate, I want bourbon sauce. Okay. Bourbon straight away. How about you, George? Um, I'd, I'd probably go with Perry Perry, and that feels like a bit of a rip-off because you just go, why are you going to Nando's? But <laughs> I quite like Perry Perry sauce. You know, it's probably a bit bland from that list, but yeah, probably go for that. I'd be very intrigued to know what Triple H's hot sauce is, though, because I've never... And again, I'm not a regular at the Harvester, I must admit, but I've never seen triple... I think I'd notice on a bottle if it said Triple H's hot sauce. And I've never noticed that ever. Do you think when you open up the lid, it just go, time to play the game? Yeah. Time I'll, to, I'll just, to, yeah. To, <laughs> it just spits out at you like the water bottle. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think just for the name alone, I'd probably go for the Triple H one, but I'd probably put a dab on and then it would be hotter than the sun. So I'd be like, nope, not for me. Um, so yeah so great questions this week thank you for everybody uh, at WWFC Fancast on Twitter or email us podcast at wallsfancast.com and we'll get them in gents that's it end of the podcast bonus episode how lucky are everybody they are so so lucky very lucky so, so lucky so lucky to have us uh, we'll be back uh, later on the week for wondering to Kalon uh, to do our um, catch-up episode back after, straight after the Olympiacos game, where we're hoping that that journey through Europa is going to continue for Wolves and the goal of Champions League football, of course. Uh, you can follow us all week on the socials, just type in Wolves Fancast and you'll find us there. And if you like what you're hearing, you must be, if you've gone through this whole episode, you've got to this by now, and you've got iTunes, give us a five-star review and a comment. It helps us up the iTunes charts and gets us out to more Wolves fans. Uh, but for this episode and for this evening, it's bye from George. Goodbye. Bye from Matt. Take it easy, guys. Get your masks out for the lads. As bye from me. See you next time. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.